And we are live on uh, Wednesday, the 18th of May. It's one o'clock. Uh, it's the midweek show, which means it's just me, right? If you've uh, if you've ever listened to any of these before, you might have caught one where I've got a, uh, a guest on and we're putting the world to rights. Uh, maybe you've heard me interviewing academics or Super Tansky and Davey Moo. Uh, these midweek shows, the Wednesday ones, are just me trying to make sense of the senseless. So here we go again, yo. Um, special hello first and foremost, by the way, to the Patreon backers, uh, Kerry, Paul, and now James, who popped onto the Buy Me A Coffee link yesterday. Uh, honestly, the sight of you all supporting the show and helping it grow makes my pants pregnant. So thank you. Um, this episode is brought to you in association with zero sponsors uh, but perhaps you can help with that if you listen to a few of these and you don't want to jump onto the patreon for whatever reason i totally get it uh for first look episodes and and bonus content that is fine it's a weird time we're all a bit uh strapped at the moment i think all i would ask is that maybe if you have enjoyed a couple of episodes two or three uh maybe share an episode that you enjoyed with a friend who you think might also enjoy it uh that's it that's the pitch I've laid out my stool for you now. Uh, let's crack on. Um, so so I've done a, a bunch of episodes on UK politics recently, um, and we've not really touched on the US for a bit. And I did a few solo ones on the US before on, on gun control and uh, weird stories that materialise in, in the UK press, um, which I suppose is a bit of a warped way to look at the US. Because uh, if it, like if a story makes it to the UK, it's gonna have a slightly weird angle to it, you know. Like we all know that you love your guns, we get it. Uh we uh, you know, like when when someone's granddad gets shot over who finished the last bottle of Mountain Dew, it is a shock to zero British people. It doesn't even register. Like I'm sorry, your granddad's dead, but like come on, <laughs> you know, like over here. We've got our own real problems to worry about. We've got creeping authoritarianism. We've got uh, private, uh, privatised NHS. We've got criminalised protest. We don't have the fucking bandwidth to listen to every Iowa, Delaware, Illinois, Michigan fucking suburb where some opioid-addicted 7-Eleven employee had a gloomy Monday and shot his uncle for the money in the cookie jar. Like, that is every day for you. <laughs> Just like we wouldn't expect Fox News to run a segment on the rain in Britain, or how bad British teeth are, you know? Like, does everyone in the in the United States care how bad British teeth are? No, because it's an everyday thing. And you've tried telling us to look into it, and we told you to fuck off, and it is the same thing with guns and much of the US news, you know? So Fox News, Fox News couldn't give two shits about our problems if they grew another arsehole on top of Tucker Carlson. So so it's rare that everyday US news stories make the news here, unless there's something weird to them. That's my point, really. Um, and so, I don't know, nothing had really kind of crept into my periphery uh, in recent, uh, recent years, in recent times, recent weeks. Um, but I thought, like, for this episode, I'd, you know, I'd go combing again. I'd go and look... Uh, Go and look for something that might you know, pique your interest. 
some sort of uh, contrast between UK and US, if not for any other reason other than to, you know, make us here in the UK feel a little bit better about ourselves, you know, because everything seems kind of fucked here. So I don't know, sometimes it's nice to look over the fence and go like, well, you know, at least it's not, it's not that bad. Um, so I thought I'd go combing and my girlfriend has, uh, uh, she's just been to LA and Las Vegas for a week, which is cool. Uh, I've been I've been at home with the kids, which is inarguably less cool. Um, but but one of the things that she was struck by while she was there and by proxy that I was then struck by from her sort of telling me about it and, you know, showing me it and um, was the homeless problem. Like the sheer number of homeless people. Like I'm told it's insane out there and it's not just her sort of, you know, retailing this back to me and me just taking it hook line and sinker like it is i've heard this from multiple sources i've read this in multiple news outlets it is understood to be a horrible issue in los angeles and in, in wider california also um and whilst she was there she sent me some videos which i know is it's a bit uncouth but i get it you know i, I understand the the compulsion to do it like if i'm if i'm in leicester square in london and there's a homeless guy grabbing a half-eaten burger king from a bin and i'm stood there filming that is like no you know come on that's not cool but if i'm in a different country and the homeless problem is so outrageously out of control and i'm a fish out of water you know documenting it then yeah like i you know show your husband or your wife back home like yeah look look at this but this place is fucked because then you're kind of you're reporting it then you know this is my story for today for you you know and she sent this thing to me uh, like i wouldn't believe it you know like you won't believe this shit that i'm seeing right like this was the sights in los angeles as far as she was concerned this was what she was sending me like this is hollywood look and it wasn't fucking you know tara reed stumbling into a nail salon just a guy out of his mind staring up at the sky doing god knows what you know it's like check out la this is los angeles you know and it's look i i'm here for it you know like i've always been attracted to the muck of society um her reporting the muck of society it's always been that's been my thing is the muck of life you know it's one of the reasons we found love in each other i guess but <laughs> but i guess you know like i've always liked the mucky punk rock elements to th like you know like mucky punk rock comedy nights and recordings like grainy recordings of gigs and stand-up bootlegs where you could hear the bottles clink from behind the bar and you can hear real people laughing you know it's not canned laughter it's like a real late night bar crowd laughing all over the punchlines like there's just something really beautifully grungy and raw about music or comedy you know when it's when it's done like that so I, I don't know. I've always been drawn to the muck of things. And so there's a part of me that kind of likes having the cellophane taken off of Hollywood like this. Pick that scab. Let's see what's running underneath, you know? But it was a bit jarring hearing about, you know, tent cities and 
homeless guys with no teeth and people taking half-eaten shit food out of bins to eat where it was like already inedible american food before it got in the fucking bin you know <laughs> like it's just like i'm gonna eat this chicken burger that was washed in chlorine and injected with hormones and marinated in msg and sugar and probably some other chemicals that are only legal because the ceo donated to the senator to cut the red tape this chicken burger is poison all right you know <laughs> some some guys like uh well as long as you didn't get it out of the bin you know <laughs> just blow on it it'll be all right you know but uh, but my girlfriend was really weirded out by it because it's such a contrast from what you expect of the bright lights and glitz of L.A., right? Like, how fucked is L.A. when this is what foreigners are WhatsApping back to people back home? You know, like Los Angeles, you've got movie studios and shooting locations and movie stars and the beach and tours. But the takeaway, the headline is... Christ, this place is a shithole. You know, like, like that's the underlying point they're left with to share. And it's quite the juxtaposition, right? Because you think Hollywood, you think stars on the streets, celebrities, uh, scenes from Pretty Woman, right? And then you spool forward to the modern day and it's just some shirtless 53-year-old wandering around like, I, I got oxy if you want to party, you know, it's like, and I'm not mocking the homeless. Don't get it twisted. Like I'm more, I'm more bewildered by how the fuck does it get that bad? You know, to see these videos, to hear about these tent cities, to look at the numbers of people, the dispossessed. It's like, how has it got this bad? Like, like I have friends who live in LA and they're like, like, how the fuck is it not just this bad? But it's gotten worse year on year, as in it was already jarringly bad a couple of years ago. You know, like like Joe Rogan, I think, ranted about it before he moved to Texas. And that was what, like three years ago or something, maybe four. And mates of mine from England went to go and visit my mates who live in L.A. And this is like two or three years ago. And it was bad, bad then, like so bad, like strikingly bad two or three years ago. And since then, the numbers have only increased. Like it's gone up another 12% in the last year. And my mates who live there come on WhatsApp, you know, chat groups and they say stuff to us. They're like, I like we don't get it. You know, we we pay super high taxes in California. It's got movie studios. It's got this. It's got that. It's got tech money coming in. It's got the economy, you know, so I don't know why it's so bad. Like, where the fuck does the money go? You know, it's perplexing. But. But I guess it's like it is here to some extent, you know, you get a local government which is, you know, in that instance is California. Uh, over here, it would just be, you know, domestic UK government or, you know, the English, England and Wales legislation and like political leaders. Like some guy in a nice suit will get elected because he says some shit like, um, I'm as tired of this shit as you are. And I'm, you know, I'm as tired of it all as it is necessary for me to say for you to vote for me so I can do the bidding of corporations who are paying for this advert. Vote for me. <laughs> Please, because they'll buy me a beach house. You know, like it's it's so corrupt. 
And then when they get they get in office, then they spend most of their time batting back reforms that would actually help people or defensively arguing in media broadcast suites that they, they waste so much of their time and their political ca- capital. And then when they do actually get to like a situation where they have to affect change or they have to do something and they're pushed into a corner where they have to contract it out to somebody that's going to fix the problem. Then they like they contract it to some outsourcing corporation that's hooked on public money and jack up the price of everything. So nothing ever gets done. You know, like over here, it would be group Four Securicore or like Serco or, you know, and they do an objectively shit job. But by the time anyone realizes that they failed to meet any of their milestones that they were set, then it's election time again. And then we're back to talking about uh, socialism and immigrants, you know, or whatever. It's just it all fades into the 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 background of the ever changing news cycle, you know? I mean, I don't know. I don't know Dick One about Californian state politics. I know absolutely zero about that but i am positive that that is 100 percent accurate <laughs> based on my no knowledge whatsoever where's my sophie Corcoran award however you pronounce her fucking name sophie corcoran is that right or corcoran in, in all honesty i did read i read a little bit about this the other day while she was sending me this footage and you know saying how weird weird it was and jarring to see how bad things had gotten i read up a little bit about it and i think i think a big thing is obviously the opioid crisis um and and i think that's sort of in tandem sort of perfect storm with the welfare system that they have or don't have as the case may be uh like with the opioids in the US, like, like we don't really have that in the same way here, do we? You know, Americans love their fucking painkillers, man. It must be really painful just being American. They have huge big pharma problems, huge big pharma influence, the big pharma lobby. You know, it's like doctors prescribing them left, right and center. It's just fucking insane. Like, oh, I think I'll start you off on a course of Oxycontin. You're like... What the fuck? I said I said I had a cold. Right, but these will take your mind off it. <laughs> You're like, we're not even in the office. We're not even in your surgery. I'm just, I was talking to the cashier in front of you in the supermarket. Right, but I couldn't help it over here. It's my Hippocratic Oath. I have to help you. So uh, take this. Give it to the pharmacy over there. It's a two-for-one deal before nine tonight. You know, <laughs> like industrial drug pushing. Or at least that's what I'm led to believe it's like, you know? Maybe it's changed a little bit. Maybe they've brought in a bit more regulation now, but from the looks of the homeless problem, it doesn't fucking look like it. And it's all these, you know, it's not like just OxyContin. It's not just like one big pharma producer that's just producing one problematic product on which a lot of people are getting addicted. It's all these weird pick and mix types of painkillers, you know? Oxycontin, Percocet, Morphine, Damarol, Propofol, Tramadol, Valium, like you fucking fill in the blank. Prescription drugs in the US is just an insane problem. I, I, I think anyone who's had any experience with drugs in the UK hears about that stuff in the US and we're like, like what? Like why, do you, why don't you just take ecstasy? You know, like why are you fucking around with industrial like green ticked heroin basically you know like with ecstasy you've it's fun 
you feel loved up and you dance and added bonus people rarely end up on the street sucking a dick to fund their ecstasy addiction they just it's not really a thing you know like like i'm not advocating that you should go out and spaff a lifetime supply of endorphins in your brain blowing out your synapses and ending up a depressed as fuck 41 year old but i'm just saying if you are gonna get high if you know yourself and you know you like to get twisted and knocked out occasionally you know you like to get a bit reco I'm just saying maybe choose the pick and mix aisle that has the one where you don't end up sucking off a city worker in a tent so he won't brush away your tent kind of thing, you know? <laughs> like, I'd take a gloomy Monday over that shit any fucking day. Is this... Right, here's a random thought. Is this why Americans don't drink like Brits? Because we drink in Britain and Ireland, Right. Is this why Coachella won't let you take alcohol into the bands, like the arena performance stage area? Because you just fucking suck at getting wrecked. Americans suck at getting hammered. Brits are like, yeah, I'll take two bottles of vodka and a bomb of Mandy and boom, back in the office Monday morning, no problem. <laughs> Americans fuck around like, hold this while I overdose on Nurofen. You know, like... You just suck at doing drugs and booze, you know? The opioid thing is crazy, though. The opioid ep epidemic in the US. In fact, I did an episode just on, on like, fentanyl uh, a couple of months ago about these two American teenagers who overdosed on fentanyl, which, if you don't know, it's a sort of synthetic heroin substitute thing. But it's something insane, like 90 times stronger than heroin. So you're so much more likely to overdose on it, especially if you don't think it's fentanyl. If you think you bought heroin or morphine or something and it's cut with fentanyl because fentanyl's cheaper or, or whatever, you know, you're just more likely to overdose on it. And this episode I did, which you could go back and find it on Funk 27, uh, which is where I keep all the eight podcast episodes and blogs and, and everything. Um you know, it's sort of examining how, like, how weird it is to look back on the moral panic about kids smoking now, you know? Like, do you remember back in the 80s and the 90s, there was a huge thing about kids smoking or kids who sniffed glue? Oh, my God. Like, that was the big thing. <laughs> and, like, that, like, what a fantasy utopia that seems now to only have children who did that is just, you know... Like, Jan, I caught Robbie sniffing a print stick. <laughs> like, Jan clutches her pearls. We tried so hard to protect him from these demons. You know, take him out of school, over it, send him away to live with his aunt somewhere else to get him off these hard drugs. When my mum when my first accused my brother of having been smoking, it was like the biggest thing ever. It needed, like, EastEnders drums after it. It was that big. She'd be like, Adam, Adrian, used to. Adam, I've been told you've been smoking. Dun, 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 dun. You know, like, huge drama on our council estate that night. More so. Uh, but, like, little, little did my generation know... But a 14-year-old taking a drag off a paper roll of toxic tar and benzene. Little did we know at that time 
that was the good old days. <laughs> that was... We didn't know it then. Children coating their lungs in tobacco smoke and tar was a golden period of child safety, apparently, looking back on it now. Certainly in America, it seems. But now we spool forward and, you know, now it's like kids are taking heroin now. You know, it's like fucking barely, barely makes the news. Not so much like a moral panic now as a, you know, a moral no. Oh, oh, right. Okay. <laughs> That's happened. Like, like, are you panicked? No. It's like the opioid crisis is killing children now. Oh, okay. It's like the same reaction we would give to a news story about a reconfigured one-way system. You know, like, you see they rerouted Queen Street, so it diverts into the trading estate now. Oh, oh, right. Okay. It's the exact same reaction. Like, kind of underwhelmed, pretend to be impressed or, you know. But anyway, back to the homeless thing. It's just that, though, isn't it? It's like the opioid stuff is just... Like, they haven't got a grip on it when it first came about. It was like, you know, people with back problems, people with leg problems, being prescribed things and not being able to get on it. And and because they didn't wrap a tourniquet around it at that point, it's just bled out into more and more facets of American society. And now I think that whole problem has touched, you know, school life and academia, absolutely. And it's touched rock stars like Tom Petty and Prince and, and Michael Jackson, most famously, right? But unsurprisingly, it's now touched the most desperate in the LA homeless scene as well will it touch LA comedy we can only hope but like but like why is it so bad is what I keep coming back to you know and I mean like there's there's this opioid culture but also I guess with America it's because they don't have universal credit right which we lampoon over here and we rightly appraise it we all say it's shit and it's not enough and we all say there's not enough council houses and so on and all of that is true but at least there is still for now at least a system a safety net in some capacity that will find somewhere for you you know like if if you get desperate, if you lose your job, if you have no income, there is that for the most part. Like, I'm sure they fuck up and I'm sure they're stretched to fuck. But but even if it's a shit rotting disused army barracks or, a you know, a, a one star bed and breakfast somewhere. You know, I say somewhere it's probably in Slough. But the system is there for now, at least. But in America, I get the feeling that if you're living paycheck to paycheck, and that money disappears. You know, you get fired from the company or the company winds up. You can't find another job quickly enough. And you crawl to local government or your bank and you say, I, I can't afford my mortgage this month. I think your options are limited. You know, if your parents aren't around to take you back in or or they hate you, you know, or, you, or you've moved there to be a comedian and you're just patently not funny, which is, you know, sounds brutal, but it's that's the reality for a lot of people. And everything grinds to a halt. Your income disappears. Then, God forbid, you do end up on the street. Your life is awful. Instantly, you've got people stealing what's in your tent. Mentally ill people punching you in the fucking face, threatening you. Maybe then you've fallen through the cracks. There's no welfare. Even if you weren't on substances like in the real world, as it were, I could totally see how you like a lot of people would then start taking shit you know start medicating their way through an awful situation so it's a mix of the opioid crisis and the lack of a decent welfare system to catch you through falling through the clack clacks god i can't talk today guys
It's a mix of the two. The perfect storm. Unregulated opioid prescription and lack of welfare. And then, look, you know, just to be fair, there's clearly others who get into hard drugs in their everyday life. You know, gateway users, people who started on weed and then overnight moved on to meth. I'm sure that happens. I'm sure that happens every day, every hour. Uh, you know, and they, their drug use spirals and they end up on the street because of it. But, you know, either way, lots of drugs involved in L.A. homelessness, I feel. And so that's the why, I guess. And then we get to like, you know, but why is it, why is it that bad? You know, because it's kind of like how bad it's gotten. Like, not that it is bad, but that it hasn't settled. Do you know what I mean? Like when we talk about recessions or when we talk about inflation is a hot topic at the moment. But, you know, there's usually a a plateau or there's, there's usually a sort of peak of something right where something where the the horrible descent then starts to settle but it doesn't seem to be settling over there hasn't reached its peak yet it's still worsening okay like here's here's a question for you which i will inevitably answer myself i suppose given the nature of these solo shows but why do you think it is unfixable why do you think it's getting worse? Like 12% increase in homelessness in one year in Los Angeles. That's wild, man. That's like, I don't know what the figures are like for London. Maybe they're that bad here. But I'm led to believe it's the same in San Francisco, another great Californian city. And I don't know, like for a state that was already struggling with it so bad that people like joe rogan were like oh fuck this you know <laughs> like how is it descending further and further into this weird tale of two cities dystopia you know tech billionaires on one street corner and then people fucking beating each other to death for their opioids on another like how is it getting so weird and divided and worse and worse I think it's a topic that's kind of, it's a bit sensitive to discuss sometimes, right? Because people get demonised. Incorrectly, for my, like, in my opinion. For showing concerns about safety and how to protect themselves or their families, right? From some of the risks that being constantly bombarded with mentally ill drug addicts might present to you and your children. You know, people get demonised for that shit. Like, it's okay to be concerned, I think. And it's not always as simple as, like, well, open your hearts and your homes to these people. Like, no. A lot of the time, these people need professionally trained, protected people to help treat and re rehabilitate them. And it kind of needs people like me or, like, people like you to, to kind of call it out, you know? Like, what the fuck? Like, what are you doing about these homeless people, you know? Because I sort of, you know, I put myself in the position of people who live over there right now, right? People who have jobs, people who rent or they've got mortgages and they just live a normal life in Los Angeles right now. I put myself in their position. Like if I were living in L.A. now with my family and I'm, you know, my walk to work or my walk back from the school with my kids or, you know, my walk taking the missus out for dinner. If, if all of these boring 41-year-old guy things were kind of, like, marred 
by me getting bothered constantly by very desperate opioid addicted souls like badgering me for money or being antisocial to my kids or threatening my wife or like breaking into my car and none of these things are far-fetched by the way like these things happen as a result of these of this sort of spiraling homelessness i think in response to that sort of that environment with my kids and our safety i think i would be going yeah i'm gone bye you know i don't think that's an evil sensibility to adopt or to have i don't think that's that makes you a bad person and i actually think it kind of makes you a good person to then call it out to put your hand up and go like whoa what the fuck is going on how are you going to fix this you know it doesn't make you uh callous or unfeeling to want to find a solution for this fucking you know small towns population of homeless people we need to step back from demonizing people for being like that you know for seeking a solution for for you know i don't know what the go-to uh tag is that you would wrap around people who hold up their hands and raise that as an issue like heartless brutal normal because <laughs> i think it is like it's a normal reaction you take seventy thousand homeless people with nothing to lose and line them up and pick one and on the wrong day, at the wrong time, in the wrong set of circumstances, I'm sure you could find one that would kill you for your phone. <laughs> and I don't think that's outrageous to say that, you know, and I'm not blaming them for it. I'm not saying, oh, you know, it's bloody like ne'er-do-wells. Like, I'm not blaming them for it. I think that's the key thing. If they're poor and desperate and addicted to whatever substances, they got a fried out brain and no shot at changing their situation and nobody to pick them up and help them. The rules of society start to no longer apply to them because mostly like because society has kind of removed them from itself. So society isn't offering them a whole lot. Right. So I think it's quite reasonable to kind of go, well, fuck this, pack up my family, move somewhere safer, because the people, the people that they elect over there to fix this kind of problem appear to have manifestly failed. So your second option, the least worst option is to kind of go, I have to go. I can't be around this lack of safety. And the other thing I think I touched on earlier was the lack of the safety net. Right, the welfare thing. I just want to come back to that for a second. Like, I forget who it was that told me this quote. And if I can't remember who told it to me, then there is zero chance I can remember who it's originally attributed to. So we can throw that out of the fucking window straight away. Uh, you can Google it if you care. But it was something along the lines of uh, every American is just a temporarily embarrassed millionaire just like let that sink in for a minute because it's perfect for explaining the issue with la homelessness and i think we're to some extent with people's appetite to fix it you know with raising taxes to fix it i think it actually it sort of encapsulates or personifies uh american attitudes to welfare more broadly maybe every american is just a temporarily embarrassed millionaire because it's like you could pay more tax and you could fix this you could pay more tax i mean this goes for anything right you could have services that support everyone give everyone a better quality of life make things safer for everyone clean buses walk-in health centers free dental libraries drug rehabilitation domestic violence shelters but it will mean that everyone pays in a bit so yeah higher taxes 
But the quote, like every American is just a temporarily embarrassed millionaire. It kind of speaks to the idea that Americans do want these things, but they honestly feel like I better not vote for it now because next week I'll be a CEO and I don't want to lose half my billion dollar salary to higher taxes. You know, every American's just a temporarily, temporarily embarrassed millionaire because they think they're going to be rich next week. So don't vote for the thing that's going to increase taxes this week, because then you're, you know, you might lose your millions next. And I wonder if there's an element of that to this, right? Like, how much would it cost? How much would it really cost, ballpark figure, to house and treat these homeless people? How much do you think? Because I've read a few figures. Like they go from 50,000 to 100,000 in terms of like the population of people dispossessed in L.A. So I don't know. Let's go. Let's go midway. Right. 70,000. 70,000 people. I no idea if that's accurate. Uh, but let's say you need 70,000 rooms for people somehow, somewhere. Maybe you could reduce that a bit and some people could share but I guess ultimately you're looking at disused prisons, old mental hospitals, the equivalent of, I don't know what the American equivalent of army barracks is. Uh, government could rent out some hotels. I guess you'd need like task forces as well to grade people, right? In terms of their mental health issues. Like, you know, over here, this woman seems timid, sober and vulnerable. So we, I don't know, we put her in a low risk facility where she's not going to be attacked She's sober. She's not going to attack anyone. But this guy over here couldn't make it through a 10 minute assessment without trying to murder someone. So padded cell for this guy, you know, like you'd need a task force to grade all these people. And then what? Like then you've got them all in facilities. Then you have to get them off drugs. You've got to upskill them so they can do something and stay off the street. You've got to give them goals and, and a, a, you know, a mental toolkit, a way of earning some money, self-sustaining, train them, teach them, feed them. Let's say let's say half of them are rehabilitatable, if that's a word. Let's say you can half you can rehabilitate half of them. So that's thirty five thousand are going to need, say, a finger in the air. Total just pulling figures out of my ass. Thirty five thousand of them are going to need thirty thousand dollars a year. For three years <laughs> to manage, yeah, like to train them, to feed them, uh, to 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 have them constantly assessed, and you know, to give them methadone or whatever it is that we need to give them to get them off the hard stuff. So thirty thousand dollars a year for thirty-five thousand people is one billion dollars a year. So three billion for that program. And that's just me pulling fingers, <laughs> pulling fingers out of my ass. Uh, it's not that kind of podcast, guys. Uh, that's just me pulling figures out of my ass in terms of how much I could imagine this costing. Three billion dollars for a three year program to get half of the people who we think are rehabilitatable off the streets and trained and, you know, get them jobs or, so, you know, three billion dollars. I don't know, man. I'm not a politician. I know nothing about homelessness, really. And I'm awful at maths. 
but we live in a world where Brexit is routinely celebrated and, you know, the UK's oil and gas fueled inflation problem is apparently caused by work from home. So we live in a fantasy land. Let's just accept that now. So if the worst that happens on this podcast is I get a sum wrong or my, I don't know, frankly, admirable task of trying to fix homelessness ends up missing something or overlooking something, you know, little oversight. I'm at peace with that. But let's just assume for a minute it is three billion dollars. It sounds like a lot, right? But then in terms of government money, is it? Is three billion dollars that much? What do you think? Like, I mean, in terms of like money that we've bunged in this country, I know we're talking pounds over here and it's dollars over in the States and there is a currency change thing. But, you know, since Brexit, that's settled to some extent. But, you know, we've just written off 11 billion pounds over here, which is probably about 13 billion dollars. That was on COVID fraud. We we just wrote that off like it didn't matter. So between all the companies based in L.A. and, you know, Sacramento and Santa Monica and, you know, San Fran, couldn't they all kind of pitch in? Couldn't they all find 100 million each from their balance sheets or their CEOs and just go like, you know, look, let's fix this between us. You know, it doesn't have to be higher taxes if we don't want to raise taxes. Fine. But between us, between all the movie studios and Tesla and Facebook, couldn't they all find 70 million dollars each and just throw it in the kitty so that fewer of their employees get murdered walking to their fucking cars in the morning you'd think that'd be near the top of the apple employee benefits wouldn't you like we we run a cycle to work scheme and you can get 20 percent off when you visit the apple store it like could you maybe could you maybe help fix homelessness so i don't get murdered no well yeah we want you to feel good about working here. Yeah, that's uh, why we run the uh, LGBTQ Rainbow Walk twice a year. Right, but about maybe contributing to wider society and making it safer for me. Like, could we maybe uh, just no, no. Uh, we could re rehabilitate 35,000 people in a year. Sure. But, you know, how many of them would uh, how many would what go back on the street, go back on drugs? No, no. How many rehabilitated homeless people are? going to be able to afford iPhones, you know? I mean, you got to think about it. Right, right. I mean, there's no return on investment with that, Chad. You got to think it through, <laughs> you know? It's kind of like that. Is that in a nutshell? Like, what would be in it for them? For Apple to actually consider the welfare and well-being of their employees and the environment that their employees live and work and commute and, you know, and rent in... <laughs> No, it's just, it's just way easier to just, like, paint fucking some Sacramento uh, uh, pathway rainbow colours. You know? <laughs> like, how, fu how fucked is... We We're going way off beast here, but that's kind of the theme of this show, right? How fucked is Western society? It's so weird. Like, we live in a world where Apple and Google will do, like, rainbow diversity days and host, like trans in tech seminars like we want to make apple the most comfortable places to work as possible we want to make it a comfortable place of work while their chinese factory workers work 18 hours and throw themselves off the fucking building because it's so awful want to make it a, a comfortable place for you to for everyone to feel comfortable 3,000 miles away some guys like i can't fucking take it Splat. 
it's so weird that anyway listen guys i could rant about this all day but uh this is always look this is always fun to do uh this podcast these solo ones if you are in a position to support the podcast i do have a patreon it is patreon.com slash aid thompson with an i n on the end i know times are tough which is why i've made the selfless frankly too good to be true decision to keep the podcast available to everyone for free uh they're always on spotify and apple Podcasts and youtube uh, but they do go on patreon first uh, and then they sneak their way onto Spotify and, and the rest afterwards. Uh, all I ask is that if you're not jumping on Patreon uh, or buy me a coffee, I've got one of those as well. If you're not jumping on those um, and you are enjoying the shows, uh, maybe send a link of a show that you enjoyed to a friend. Spread the word. That would be really, really great. Uh, or spread the link of a show that you fucking hated to an enemy. Uh, and, uh, you know, share me around like the cheap, charmless harlot that I am. Uh, special thanks once again to Kerry and Paul, the, f- uh, the show's first two Patreons, and indeed to James, who went to my buy me a coffee yesterday to buy me a beer. Thank you very, very much, sir. Um, all the previous episodes, as I mentioned earlier, are up at funk27.co.uk. Uh, there's a weekly gallows humour, frankly, hashtag Bimfluencers blog, uh, mocking the dystopian fucking nightmare that we're now all living in. Um, I'll be back Friday night with a guest that comes from a different uh, different political place to me. I think he'd balk at being described as a lefty, uh, so he's comfortably not in the left uh, of the political spectrum. I'd playfully speculate, he can correct me on this, I would speculate he sits in a sort of centre-right kind of place. Uh, so it's going to be interesting getting his thoughts on, you know, things like work from home to creeping authoritarianism to... Uh, Team Johnson's response to the 100 fines in Partygate and and so on. Anyway, that's Friday night live stream at 7.30 on YouTube before it vanishes without a trace and goes on Patreon. Uh, Until then, guys, this has been a lot of fun. We outie.